It is Sunday, the 29th of August, 2021, and this is episode 401 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another episode of Digital Outbox. I am Chris and joined as ever by Ian. Hello, Ian. Morning, Chris. On a Sunday morning, indeed. It's Sunday morning and there's lots of, lots of sport happening today, so we're going we're gonna to crack through this one. Yep, waiting for the Formula One to start. Um, while we do that, we'll talk about BT and their <laughs> open door um, and their open reach. I am saying lots of words there, which none of them are actually true. Open reach and their rollout of the new um, sort of landline system. So the old copper system is effectively being turned off and the date it is being switched off by is 2025. Um, and it's kind of a, are we ready for it? And are people ready for it? There are still people, obviously, who have a landline in their house and it uses the copper system. Um, and it's what, you know, how are we going to be prepared for that transition? Um, I believe if you've got sort of fibre to your house now, your landline will be plugged into a different socket and therefore you're actually on a different system. But, there, you know, it's, you know, it's about how do we migrate that last few bastions of the copper wire uh, into the household. And, and uh, I think you might be one of those. Well, we've still, we've still got a landline. Um, and they're talking about, I mean, it's, there's 14 million. So, it's, I mean, it sounds... It sounds yeah, like when I say the last like, bastions, it's actually an incredible yeah. portion of our population. Yeah, and and I mean, even from a from a kind of corporate perspective, things like um, lifts and emergency lines into lifts, and there's a whole load of um, older hardware that's always relied on this as a standard, and it needs to it needs to change. And, and phones would get power from your 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 PSTN connection, and so it says in here, Virgin are looking at battery backups for people that need emergency. Because, yeah, like contacts. you say, there's other things that come along with this. You know, if if your household can get broadband, then theoretically you can get a VoIP service, voice over IP service that will replace your landline without too much issue. But as you've just mentioned, in power cut situations, that can leave people without actually, without a mobile phone, a ability to communicate. Uh, and whereas your standard phone line could have been affected by power outages, actually the power came through a different circuit and therefore um, it was potentially still available and largely was available even through power outs you could still get uh, your phone connection so that is you know some serious safety concerns there especially because the kind of people who have landlines or will be the hardest to transfer and don't have broadband connections are isolated um, and probably quite geographically uh, you know distant places which probably do need phone lines for those communication purposes um yeah i mean it's 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 one of those where i maybe to kind of take it for granted these these standards have been in for so long and then they're going to have to, you know, it's it feels quite close. Um, I twenty twenty five, so I'm guessing it will slip a bit because well, I just what we've been doing. So since we've been doing our podcast, we've been talking for. I mean, we're talking decades now about how broadband and and its availability. There's still two percent of homes that are unable to get 
the basic 10 megabit mm. per second broadband. And yep. if you remember when we first started, they were talking about everyone, 100% of people having access to the, at least a minimum speed broadband um, within, you know, they were probably saying five years at that time. And we, we thought, fine, that sounds reasonable. But why is it taking so long? And uh, we, we're, you know, we're well over a decade later and we're still in the situation where those homes don't have that facility of broadband even, let alone taking away, um, well, we've already taken away uh, the standard, over-the-air signal for TV, haven't we? And now it's the phone lines are, are, are sort of following suit. Um, you need to remove these older technologies to release new technologies, so that's why it's happening. Um, but yeah, it's always the outliers that struggle and, and uh, uh, suffer from it. Twitter is um, testing its misleading post report button. Uh, it's doing it on a geographically careful or a step-by-step way just trying to test it out in certain areas i think australia is one of the first to have it uh this will be a button on tweets that allows you to report the information as being misleading um what twitter are saying is they can't actually manually check every single report that comes in but what they're using this test for is to see trends and seeing whether they can use that analytic data then to try and see whether this is a good button to roll out sort of globally and whether the information that comes back from that will actually enable them to start removing this this information that's on their system and then their platform which has been found to be uh, inaccurate uh, at best and and it sounds great in theory but but we all know that um reddit groups facebook groups you know we'll we'll just pile on this and go for whatever their whatever their anti you know what is you know they see as a wrong message they'll, they'll target it so i think yeah. that's why twitter is doing it as a test because it's in theory it's great and in practice it's internet in theory so with everyone being genuine human beings with genuinely pressing the button for genuine reasons it's a good system yeah. but we know yeah. what humans are like on the internet yeah, so fair enough. Say, so, and I guess this will be something we'll hear some feedback from eventually, uh, and then we'll, uh, and then maybe we'll see that again. Yeah, but it's, you know, again, it's another step towards platforms investigating how they can do this. But it is also, understandably, a way of doing it where they've got least investment. Um, this isn't people reviewing content and checking content. This is algorithms and systems automatically being identified or or using power of the cloud and people power to do it. But they don't know yet. No, or it's not even cloud. Is it's people? Um, but yeah. it's uh, citizen, you know, citizens. But whether they're responsible enough to do it, and that's kind of it, I guess. Um, a couple of weeks back, an interesting story. I think it was a couple of weeks back. Um, OnlyFans decided that, or re- put a statement out saying they were going to remove all um, sexual explicit content from their platform. Um, uh, give all the content. And, and ultimately, I mean, that was the, that was the, the sticking point is yeah, 90% of their content on OnlyFans is sexually explicit, uh, effectively sex workers selling uh, video access um, through their systems. Um, OnlyFans was getting under massive pressure from their investors and even payment providers to not be supporting that content. But basically, when you have that kind of content, even if it's uh, consenting adult content, you you stray very close to legality um, in different regions around the world and then what people are is, is acceptable use of those services to what's not and you get into the sort of horrible realms of child pornography. So investors and 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 you know investors and and payment providers are not willing to support that and that's where this pressure came from 
But they have since uh, uh, reversed that, or they've suspended that decision um, after obviously what was massive backlog backlash from people saying this is my main source of income. You know, I am a sex worker. Effectively, you are removing my business model. Um, but it's it's maybe upset these you know the the that model enough that they're probably going to look for somewhere else now to go and do that. Maybe somewhere which is crypto based that can remove these. Um, sort of regulations that they're I guess the problem is that those regulations protect them as well so it's, it's hard it's such a it's such an interesting balance but when we first heard this both of us in a news story said well you know that is what OnlyFans is so what are you doing you're basically saying I don't want to exist anymore uh, yeah and they'd launched I can't I don't know if we did cover it they'd launched like an iOS and Android app and and I was like that's that's a bit unusual um, Apple allowing that, but they, but they stripped off all their adult content. So they were trying to branch out into. Um, there were some celebs were using it to, you know, pay as, you know ten dollars a month, and you'll get you know, almost like behind the scenes content, and you know, almost like the kind of Patreons that have existed. Where and I think that's where access. this service started. I think that's it, that, it when they had the vision of what they wanted their service to be. That was it. It was yeah. Patreon, but in a kind of video access. But unfortunately, uh, yeah. they didn't put the restrictions from the the adult industry in. There. Well, they, they, they didn't put restrictions, but absolutely blew up through the pandemic. And lots, of, and, I, and I don't mean like I don't mean lots of people like me and you. They were definitely now, blowing up. You're right. Yeah, thanks. And um, but there was lots of people who were maybe finding an audience on you know TikTok or some other social media platforms, and they were like, "Could we make money this way?" And I'm not, and I'm not seeing there's thousands, but I would I would reckon there's hundreds UK, thousands US, have now went into the adult industry because they're making serious money. I, mean, I don't know numbers i don't i've never used the platform to you know to to see the extent of it but it's you know it's it for, for me it feels uncomfortable uh, i have to say as a i, I don't know I, but then again that's not it's not up to me you know it's the, you know it's their it's their world their life exactly um, but i do see it as a quick buck and it's a bit you know <laughs> I oh i mean it's i mean you've described it right as a as you know as a set worker or, or adult industry and, and I mean, if you go back to the start of the internet, adult industry really pushed the boundaries of a lot of a lot of the internet technologies because that's where people, you know, it was, it was, it was video, and when people want video, the adult industry has been defining technology for decades. Yeah. I mean, we Betamax and VHS was the VHS one out because of the adult industry. So, yeah. you know, it's it's not it's not a new thing. Um, and as you said, there was lots of you know they were clearly trying to chase VC money, um, but the problem is people that are other platforms. So other platforms were like come join us with exactly the same you don't yep. know about it but just promote it to your current you know your current fans and we'll move them over and i think the fact they've only suspended that decision a lot of people are now talking mm. around that movement happening yeah anyway because it moves them into a more solid framework because you know you have to build up your followers and they're like in any other social platform and uh rebuilding that again is 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 no easy feat i'm sure i mean they, I mean, they, they know the numbers but it's but as an outsider, and it's it seemed really strange to say, take what must have been ninety something percent of your business, and kill it, and a serious amount of cash business as well. Yeah, and there's lots of money you know, sloshing so, around there. So, so the, the whether they saw the writing on the wall, whether they saw themselves as you know maybe someone maybe some of the original investors were uncomfortable with the direction and you know happy taking the money, and then it was like actually what is this? What is this platform? Yeah, because you can imagine if they're in sales meeting, getting told they were going to have the new Patreon. Um, you know, then and then it turns out that it wasn't anything like that in the end. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure they, like I say, it, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, over time that's just what happened. Patreon remains quite strict on what it is and what it does, and 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 some like an OnlyFans is a bit more loose. 
Nvidia has told us that if you're looking for nice, easy supply of their uh, chips and devices, uh, you can be waiting for 2023 before they're back on song. They reckon through the whole of, well, most of 2022, they're still going to be seeing this chip and component shortages. And it's bizarre. I, I keep on using Scan as my reference site because I can get to it, you know, easily, and we can see how bad they up give they were. information. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but if you look at the the last time I went on, I looked at thirty eighty, and and yeah, so they're selling a card, but it's seventeen hundred pounds. Mm. And, and this is cards... a six hundred and twenty-five. Was it? It was something like six hundred and twenty-five was the recommended original price of those devices. Yeah. So um, it's a twelve twelve gig. Um, same and it's, it's sixteen hundred and sixty nine. Now last week, when I checked when I put this article in, um, there was three different cards on offer, and it was mm. like one was fifteen ninety nine, one was sixteen, you know twenty, another one, this other one as it's priced as now sixteen seventy. It's a huge price, you know, compared to what it was, um, or what the RRP was. So the yeah. the you know, and I I can't I can't escape that. There's lots of people making a lot of money out of this. It's not just what we said about the scalpers initially. Well, it's... that's it. NVIDIA has still managed to reach a record revenue of $6.51 billion in this quarter. In this quarter. Um, you know, and and it's it, it's just bonkers that, you know, like you say, they've actually had, they've supplied less stuff <laughs> and made more money by doing it. Um, yeah. And I guess it just shows the the thirst that was out there for those new chips, new components, and and how artificially constraining things going forward might be a way forward. Uh, and and we should probably keep an eye on it to check that it isn't artificial constraint, that it is actual you know physical demand and and processing complaint uh, constraint. And, and um, I'm just I'm just on eBay, and yeah, prices are all you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred. So even the founders edition cards. Um, are up at that kind of price right now. So I think um, you know overall, you know it's it's not been a bad thing for Nvidia. But what you can do now, you can go and buy uh, any of your graphics cards now. You can just about go to an online retailer and go and get it. What you can't do is get the one you want, and you certainly can't get it at a price that it was you know advertised at when they first released these things. But if you are now in the market for that graphics card and you're willing to splash out what. <laughs> is you know system prices you know whole pro computer prices just on the actual graphics processor then 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 they are there to be got but you just won't get the one particularly that you you know wanted or the the version that is the one you were looking for and, and i'm kind of assuming that nvidia will launch new cards next year so it's just a strange certainly position. there'll be certainly there'll be upgrades to the memory levels and, and uh, maybe the yeah. core count things like that yeah but you'd, you'd yeah. expect you expect I think the well, they have been releasing all new cards ever since you know since uh, the thirty eighty. Yeah. We've had the thirty seventy, the thirty sixty, the whatever the other ones. They but you'd think, but out. you'd think there would be proper replacements for because that thirty eighty came out almost a year ago from now. Mm. So you, you know the thirty eighty, thirty nineties were last you know la, you know quarter three four last year. You'd expect in twenty twenty two they'd be replacing not just like memory and maybe clock cycles, but actually saying. We've now got forty eighties. Yeah, I think it's a slower release cycle than that. I think maybe that's asking a bit too much, but um yeah, but you still may be right. You may be right. I was looking at so the ten eighty TI was March twenty seventeen. So yeah, it's about three. But we and did have years. the twenty we have had the twenty eighty in between that, so um Yeah. And then so we had the just... so we had the twenty eighty and then the twenty eighty TI as so, well. So, so twenty eighty was twenty eighteen. So two years later they did the thirty. Mm. So, so it's every two years, yeah. So it should be a forty next year. 
Okay. Which will be interesting when they're saying we're short. Yeah, but maybe, but maybe we don't know yet that they, yeah, that might well be have been pushed down the line because of all the shortages, if that's the case. Uh, Intel are coming into the um, sort of uh, upscaling market with their Arc GPU. So they've sort of announced that they were coming into the the uh, so the GPU market, um, and their next move on you know is to sort of match the Nvidia behemoth is is they're calling XESS. Um, but effectively, it's uh, the same as the NVIDIA, uh, what they call deep learning super sampling, DLSSs. And that's basically where you run a game at a low resolution, say 720p or 1080p, and the graphics card has got enough knowledge about the game and how it operates that it can upscale and predict what the actual full resolution graphics would have been. Um, and it does it via some quite amazing technology really but you end up with a 4k uh game that actually the engine's only having to process through at 1080p which is you know obviously a lot faster frame rate and all those kind of things that come with that um so it's kind of magic technology and and it looks like uh intel are gonna dip their toe into that with um ai accelerated super sampling so xess is what they're saying that is it'll be interesting to see because nvidia Nvidia and, and AMD have kind of had that gaming market sewn up. I know, although Intel produce graphic cards, they're not at the same level. As, but as AMD haven't done their super sampling work no. yet. Yeah, no. so they're kind of behind on that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting just to see um, what these GPUs from Intel actually bring, and then also what the super sampling brings as well, because the the DLSS stuff is. It's it's, it, it's what's kept the distinction. I mean, a- AMD effectively have some higher grunt in certain areas to actually push pixels around. But they don't but, have. Yeah. But they don't have the ability to. For the, you know, the, I, I think it's a super clever move that that Nvidia have gone down that route where they don't have to work as hard to push these pixels around because they're using compute power now to to generate the pixels rather than have the game model do it. So yeah, it's clever. Um, but yeah, so um, I wonder whether it will disrupt. I think say a lot of people at the moment, Intel have drifted away from the chip the chip heartland and and say are they pushing they're not actually going to build this this chip either they're actually outsourcing the the build of it so it's an interesting sort of move away from what they would they'd normally do another interesting move um paypal in the uk um is going to accept well it's going to accept bitcoin transactions but maybe not in the way that that you would expect you're not able to use those bitcoins to directly buy and sell anything um but you can um convert money into bitcoins and hold them on account Uh, and then at some point if you want to make a transaction um you can convert some of your bitcoins back into cash to go and do that transaction so it's it's not actually you're paying directly with bitcoin you do have to convert it back to cash before you can do that um uh, but yeah it, it you know in in some ways we've seen bitcoin vary so much recently from the high in april uh, $65,000 for a coin down to, um, I think it went well below $30,000 for a, for a coin uh, and it has started to bounce back. And a lot of the, you know, the reason it fell was because there was a lot of poo-pooing in the financial industry and governments saying, we're not going to support this. And then China saying, you're absolutely not allowed to do it. Um, so someone like PayPal now coming in and saying, well, we're kind of going to allow you to do it, it gives legitimacy again, uh, which is why we're probably seeing that sort of rebound again, because some of that negativity is going away and um uh, but it's still a very volatile market and it's still not supported in any way as far as financial regulation uh, no uh, but but 
a, a huge, I mean, PayPal is a huge business. So for them to support it, even though it's limited, um, no, you can't use it for payment, as you said. So even though it's limited, it's an interesting step. They did this in America last year. So they've clearly seen enough that they can, they think there's, there's something to chase here. And unlike some of the other exchanges and places we've seen, they're only concentrating on sort of the big ones, really, Bitcoin, yeah, Ethereum, yeah. Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash. So they're kind of more long-standing ones rather than a lot of little startups and little exactly. pet projects that have kind of, they have saw a lot of investment because, you know, everyone was seeing, seeing where, where do I jump in that actually is going to make me some money here. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, let's see how that goes. Um, it, and it's something they can easily reverse out of because they're not fully, you know, like I said, they're not integrating into their actual payment pl- platform itself. It's a kind of separate thing. They're almost putting their name to being, you know, the next Coinbase or whatever. Facebook has suppressed a report or allegedly suppressed a report that, that kind of made it look bad. So they were going to release reports on their most viewed and most active content on the platform. Um, but it turns out that uh, the the most viewed and most interacted with content was one that uh, sort of promoted the vaccine hesitancy which they they obviously felt wasn't politically the right angle to release that information and and that kind of confirmed to what many people have been saying which is that uh, the facebook platform has been responsible for the spread of uh, inaccurate information um uh you know and you know conspiratorial information so they decided they were going to squish that report um yeah so it's an interesting one because we've said because I'm trying to remember who I don't know if it was Bloomberg or somebody there's a there's an American publication that every week publishes the most shared you know top ten articles and they are predominantly either uh, I guess it's back to the kind of the right wing kind of Trump supporting types or through COVID it's all been the this is a hoax uh, you don't need to wear your mask. And the vaccinations are, are fraudulent, you know, they're, 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 they're injecting stuff into you that's not there. And they're the most shared articles. Um, and I mean, I, I, one, of their, um, one of their spokesmen actually came out and said, we considered making the report public earlier, but we knew the attention it would garner exactly as we saw this week. And we wanted to make fixes to the system. So they are trying to tweak their system to make the, and it's, I mean, we touched on it when we talked about Twitter earlier on. You know, so they know there's misinformation on it, but how do you handle that? How how do they without become, spending billions? Yeah, and but also how do they then become the tastemakers that says that's true and that's false and that that's the that's the line they're trying to. We, we've talked about it with BBC, you know, so BBC you like to think is is high class journalism, but they keep on saying we need to be balanced, and we've seen that over the years through the Brexit debate, you know, and and inviting people on to. You know, climate change, I think it's a more obvious one where they feel they have to bring on a climate change denier to balance it, but you're giving them equal airtime and that's mm. not the reality of where public mood is at the moment. Um, and that's that's where I think, you know, Facebook, Twitter, these platforms are in a real, they're a real tricky situation. As you say, they don't want to spend billions. They're making billions off this as well. You know, so they're mm-hmm. making money off this, but it's it's how, how to be seen to be right. How to be seen in online meetings. Facebook's metaverse is, uh, I think we saw this quite a few years ago now at one of the first Oculus events, the, maybe the first Oculus event that they, they actually held. Yeah, um, you're right. Yep. This, is, this is the example of avatars, so real world, so avatars living in this uh, VR world. 
and that it kind of mixes with some real world elements. So you can wear a VR helmet and be in a meeting room with your avatar, you know, moving mouth and looking around the room as you are. Uh, and they've kind of demoed a, a, a meeting where this happened. And they also had a screen uh, on the wall of the virtual meeting room, which had people just coming in via their standard video call. And those video callers could also look into the room, um, you know, on their, their through their video call to see what was going on. Um, apparently still quite a lot of technical glitches and some early you know bugs and whatever um but nevertheless the feeling is that there is there's something there whether it's enough that it's actually going to be a useful tool for business long term uh, i think there's a bit of inconclusiveness there at the moment and and zuckerberg's talked about this recently around his metaverse this is this is this idea that he's he sees facebook as building a truly virtual platform um and and you'll plug in and all your different things and the matrix uh, yeah um and actually so i've actually read some good reports around this as you say there's some bugs in it and and facebook themselves say they've been dog fooding it you know so they've been using it in meetings of course they would there's no there's no point in them putting it a product and then never using it themselves um i did I, and i got very close to yesterday i actually just ordered a quest too because i've been swithering all year and then when they when they kind of paused it a couple of months ago because of the it was the the for me coding, yeah yeah was, a, was was causing some reactions with people a very small number when they paused that and then the, the, the it was relaunched this week with you know double the ram for the same price it's like is this the time and it almost did it because i thought this would be good to try this you know this, this was and i'm trying to find it. it's horizon workrooms i'm just interested in that mix of putting a headset on and being immersed and it did things with your keyboard and there was other whiteboarding tools and it's like that would be really good to try all that um, and then I was like, would I really want to sit through a tour meeting with a headset on? Probably not. Mm. You know, even when I was using it in the past, it's been for 15, 20 minute sessions and you feel like I need to take this off. It's Heavy. And, and I still and I still hear that from people, although less eye fatigue now. So eye fatigue mm. seems to be with the modern the modern screens and stuff uh, less. Yeah. But the weight and the heat is still an yeah. issue. Because I I know I know even just putting like a headset on makes my head hot. So putting on mm. the the actual across your face and having just that on. But but there's something there that I do I do want to try. And and the reason I didn't um, buy one was purely rumours that early next year because we're, we're well into I think it's 13 14 months since the quest 2 came out so it, it just feels we're well into it seems to be every 18 months they're releasing a new quest product it's such at the forefront of what they're talking about at the moment that you can't believe they're not just trying to accelerate that forward as quickly as they can especially now they found this more intermediate format that actually people are willing to buy which is you know a headset standalone that you can hook in if you need to it's, it's much more much less cumbersome than the old model uh, yeah, uh, but there's, as I said, there's just something about, um, and we, you know, so I've, I've always feel always feel a bit spoiled when I see this because you've been you've been a kind of home worker for quite quite a while, a remote worker, moving from that in office experience to like you know it was quite jarring at start and you found it difficult to whiteboard and it still does feel a challenge to go and see that way you would go and grab three four people in a room yeah. and just you know argue about something bump, 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 and then you come out of it thinking yeah i know what we're doing still feels that that we've got people cut off from being able to easily do that yeah. and i wondered if the having the tools and but then having that physical presence almost yeah, yeah. but we'd be going you know you know as a, as a company would you go and spend 300 quid on 
per person. It depends on the size of the company. If you've, it might be certain teams. If they're very creative, that this is a great avenue for them. But then again, things like you know, it was not that long ago that webcams and good home audio and all those kind of things were not normal things to have and now everyone's got to have a good office system at home it's it doesn't take too much to move to that if it turns out to be a useful tool um i'd say it's almost already delayed really because when they first started talking about it they were talking about 2020 um but actually we're still only in open beta or invite only sorry beta um so yeah there's obviously a few more things along the way to iron out and technology to sort um but i think I think I think this will appear in some format that, you know, even in the gaming scenario, that first multiplayer experience where you could look and look at someone else standing in that same world with you. And and they're a physical thing because your eyes of, you know, your brain's made to believe that that is a 3D object that you can reach out and, you know, interact with. It's just, yeah, it's uh, there's definitely something there that I think we'll see uh, movement towards. And especially when they've got the, you know, like the avatars and the mouths are all tied up with the audio. You know, you're yeah. you're you're embedding it with your physical world. So you're seeing your keyboard, and you can interact with it. You've got the control. There's something. I do think there's something there, but it's maybe like a lot of what we've seen around AR and VR. It's it all feels like it's the technology. You know, the the best the the best thing this would be is you put a normal pair of like reading glasses, and it's just there. And that's what the technology is just not allowing you to do that right now. But that's. You know, no, and we've got years. the two. We've almost got the two angles to that. We've got the full headset, which is complete opposite. You get then the headset with the cameras in there, and then you get the opposite end, Hololens, which is you know trying to just give you a, a screen in front of your eyes. Um, neither of those technologies. I think we'll meet somewhere in the middle of that, uh, but neither of those technologies are there and available no. yet. And it feels like a ten-year thing where we're, we're chasing this vision. 10 years is a long time in tech, isn't it? So potentially it not, but nevertheless, it's always just that little bit further away than in reach. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Apple has started um, letting users email um, about, uh, sorry, letting app store, uh, sorry, app developers let their uh, people who have purchased their products contact them via email to let them know that, hey, you don't have to purchase this through Apple. There are other ways you could be purchasing this that would save you money. Um, this was a concession after an outsourced court settlement. So we've been hearing about court cases around, um, you know, uh, epic being the biggest one where they're saying it's just unfair that apple forced us to have to pay this this 30 percent tax apple came along and gave a concession for smaller developers to say well it's only 15 percent for you now um and this is now another concession to say you can contact those users via their email address and and let them know about different ways of of, of paying for these things even just reading it sucks it's you reading the apple apple or gracious will let you talk to your customers it's just appalling it's just absolutely appalling and this is so this is a so it's it's and it's alongside a hundred million payout so this was one of the legal so so there's a hundred million payout and if you're a small developer you can go and apply for your portion of this interestingly the lawyers are taking 30 percent of that 100 million so they're not (laughs) seemingly seemingly they usually only take 25%, but in this okay. case, they're taking 30 <laughs> And I don't know. It's like, is this somebody having fun? Is that really true? Because it seemed too perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I get, I get, I mean, you, you know, I love my Apple products. I get pretty sickened around the, that, this iron grip around, you know, content and App Store. And there's, there's clearly benefits from it. Um, well, if you're an investor, there's definitely benefits, aren't there? But, but when you see, just when you actually, you know, the headline, We'll let you talk to people that have bought your product. I mean, I mean, it's it's sickening. And up until mm. then, they weren't allowed to do it. 
It was just like, and it's and that's why so many are, you know, just when you look at it, it's like it doesn't make doesn't make sense. Um, we'll see if this. I, I think we're going to see more of this through the next year. There'll be oh, it's small, not away. small, small concessions um, that ultimately still ensures that Apple makes the money it thinks it's entitled to. I, I still think it's in, it just bizarre. Well, I've said all along there is a there is a level of processing and cost that they sustain, but it's uh, tiny. And that's but that's and that's where the disconnect is, and it's what is that value, and how you know in a normal business scenario you would work out what that figure is. So I'm sure that they've done that work to find out what that figure is, and then they would obviously add a percentage on for you know profit and growth, and and that's where that's the missing piece. We have no idea of those each of those transactions what the percentage cost is of supplying that payment platform and all the security and all the kind of data processing that goes along with it um and so that and that and there is a cost there will be a massive infrastructure cost and a massive you know one-off cost but nevertheless the amount of billions flowing around um yeah like you say it's not going to be a 30 percent um of that charge is is on payment processing and, and customer account holding I mean, I listened to, there was a podcast a few weeks ago and it was just on the back of, it was probably a few months ago and it was in the back of the, like, the M1 hardware and looking at profits. Um, and it's a seemingly a known figure. I'm sure it was either 36 or 38% is a known um, margin that Apple apply to all their hardware. And with the M1 Max, that's moved to 42% because they're not paying Intel. It's yep. their own chips now, so there's a there's a there's there's somebody's margin that's now ours, and instead of reducing the price, they're keeping it. So it's moved that margin of 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 profit up. And I get, I still get at the start of the App Store, there's lots of costs with setting up all that machinery, mechanisms, people to drive it. But yeah, paying for the data centers that you can see yeah, sprung up, yeah. But it, it, and I'm not denying it's a great service when you look at just the app models and the apps that are there. It's huge, but the percentages are just too much. Microsoft is not going to stop you installing Windows 11 on older PCs. So when we when Windows 11 was first announced, its spec was um, sort of quite restrictive on you had to have a relatively modern PC and have certainly chip types and chip uh, facilities and motherboard facilities that were you know quite onerous really. Um, so everyone thought, oh, this is just not going to work on older PCs. And certainly if you go through the automated Windows update process, it won't work on older PCs. But they have announced that they and there's no restrictions on someone, you know, effectively going to get the installer, put it on a disk and, and run it onto their PC. Now, they're, they're saying that this will probably lead you to crashing system crashes and issues and instability and won't be a good experience, yet they're not physically going to stop you from doing it. And they've also said that it won't get updates after it as well. And it's like, surely, after all the work you've done to get people onto a nice, secure, you know, monthly monthly download of patches, every six months get a new version of Windows, surely that's shooting yourself in the foot. I, I I'm really guessing this is a that. bit damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, though, because they yeah. will have been getting... Because they've advertised this as this is allows a company or an organisation to install onto one of their PCs and see... W- I guess what their enterprise software does, the bits of software that you can't, is not just off the shelf um, software, it's stuff that you use for your business that's, in, that's kind of custom to you. Does it work on the Windows 11? How does it operate? And so they've kind of said that this, and this isn't going to be an advertised service. So they're allowing people to do it because they don't want to, you know, 
get that backlash from people saying, well, you should just let us do this. So they are letting people do this. They're not advertising it as a service yet. It brings with it equally that other side, which you've just highlighted, which is this is going to get people upgrading onto systems that yeah, are, are then open and non-maintained. And it'll depend how much they keep going with 10, you know, from a security and patching perspective. You know, we saw, we saw that with other ones. They, run, they tend to run for three, four, five years after a, yeah. you know, a, a, a new OS is launched. Um, so there'll be that that will be the determining factor around whether that's successful or not. It just it seemed an odd one that they made so much focus around the TPM chip and download that and, and the don't support. I think it was was it five year old CPUs are now dropped as well. It's quite an aggressive you know upgrade path. And they've clearly done that for a reason. Um, yeah. And and like like I say we're we're moaning about it here on a but not moaning about it. We're on a tech podcast talking about an unadvertised service that is not meant for, you know, we your general morning. everyday user. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are moaning. Uh, yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's all the, it's all the transparency that's coming. That costs CPU. <laughs> Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Cloud Gaming comes to Xbox consoles uh, this Christmas. So this is the service that allows you to stream or stream all games and you can stream the latest Xbox Series X games or the latest PC games back onto your Xbox X control, uh, Xbox One or Xbox Series S or any one of those sort of consoles can stream that. Or even you can just stream a game that you don't have installed on your hard disk on your Xbox Series X down onto your onto your console as well. So it's effectively your Stadia like um, gaming service from the cloud directly onto your box um, and as part of your Xbox One uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate you will get that this this holiday series um, yeah so it, can I nod one that you'd think they would have maybe done these devices first but they're almost the last ones it's almost like they've chased the, and maybe it makes sense because you're most people, you know, you can play your Xbox game on your Xbox console, and it was about getting Xbox games out to Android, iOS, and PC. Um, and and it will mean, it will mean if you've downloaded the game, you say it's great. I could just go and stream it without having yeah, to wait it, for that six-hour download. And it can be those things of you know, I don't even know that I want to play this. I can uh, yeah. either spend the next and waste all that bandwidth transfer. We've had it times before. We've downloaded massive, you know. 50 gigabytes worth of game to play it for 10 minutes and I can't think it. of any to be honest uh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's been plenty of other examples that I've downloaded and played once and given up on this allows me to see whether I want to play it at, if it is it's my ang, my kind of game um and then you can move on from it or you can download it if you really want to um uh, it will play at 1080p resolution but it will be 60 frames a second and it's certainly something I'm going to try out. Of course, it is. You know, well, why not? It's a playable trailer. You know, that's 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 where we're where we're heading to now. It's like uh, here's here's what Halo looks like. Um, you want to just have a go? Yeah. Click click here, and you'll just yeah, start definitely. playing. Uh, yeah, and like the unimaginable infrastructure that goes into just those simple words. You know, it's just bonkers. It's it's, it's it is it is nutty to quote a word that you would say. I would say it. Yeah. Uh, that um sort of i guess again maybe a week and a bit ago um halo infinite uh, at launch will not have co-op 
in their campaign mode and it won't have the forge uh, game the map editor mode they cannot get either of those things solidified in time for their launch which we'll come on to in a bit um but they're they're saying that we're going to have to release those as part of our season-based update process and they're they've already said they're planning on releasing st- season content every three months so they're expecting that the co-op campaign would come as three months into release and then the forge mode would then come uh maybe the next three months after that so six months after release we might start seeing forge mode uh you know obviously all the analysis and you know commentary around this has been it just shows that this game is still far from ready they're having to chop plenty of things co-op multi uh, co-op campaign is serious part of the game for a lot of people uh has been since i think halo 3 or maybe something along those lines that's when it really started kicking off um and yeah to have it not at launch it seems yeah it seems sketchy at this late stage to have pulled the plug on that to try and focus on that um uh, you know that the core game mechanic of getting making sure multiplayer is there and making sure the single player game is there but there are even reports um that the single player game is struggling at the moment and that is the still the sticking point to the release date um but nevertheless we've had a release date i think they've told us what it's going to be december 8th there you go so um three months from now so they, and they kept on it was a thing we've talked about they've kept on saying this this holiday season and it's like, well, you've got you've you've named everything else, including some games like November twenty twenty two. So you've named dates against quite a lot of titles, but you couldn't put a, you know what is probably the most talked about title. You wouldn't put a date to, uh, and even at Gamescon, I was surprised they didn't they didn't actually go and have more on the single player. And it, I mean, they released a, an so article, little. yeah, they released an article saying, well, well, we've locked it in, but it's now all about polish. It's like, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't sound, this doesn't sound ready at all. Um, you know, they made the made what everybody thought was a, you know, a pretty bold and the right decision last year to say we're delaying it, but clearly it was a mile off. You know, it was like, you know, they were doing internal playtests. It must have been a mile off for them to. You know, it's taken another year, and it's, so I, I think I serve you co-op for me. I don't really play the single player game, but I would have rattled through co-op with you, even though I've never done any other Halo. <laughs> but I think I think I've done one maybe. We got. I think we got you playing on we one did of reach. them, but I don't think you ever completed the campaign. I think you got bored before the end. We, we did reach. I remember doing reach. We even tried to go back to. I think it was Halo Three uh, on legendary mode, and again that didn't last very long. No, it's just not um, for you. No, but I was I was I was up for doing it, and 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 I didn't think it was a big thing, but. There was a there was a, a survey on one of the gaming forums, and it was like, "What's more important, co-op or multiplayer?" And co-op was winning. And I don't know. Again, it's a it's on a forum that is open. It's not just all Halo people. So lots of people could have just been spamming the co-op button because let's make this look like a terrible decision. And I mean, but in our time, world, the multiplayer is most of what we use it for, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And and we're not forge editors either, so it's like it's disappointing that it's, these things aren't there. Um, I think co-op's three months away, and that will be you know it'll be good to dig into multiplayer and then do a bit of co-oping. You can you can tell by this the, the sheer number of you know uh, achievements that you get in the game for fully completionist people running through the standard campaign that it is you know it's a massive part of the game that we don't I I generally play the campaign through but um, not at a high level just I just play it as easy and just get get through it kind of thing but yeah the multiplayer is definitely the thing that sticks for us so I'm guessing from our point of view. 
it's not such a disappointing piece of news but for other people like say the potentially high percentage of people that's that is a really disappointing news and i think the launch date itself there was very little window they had left they were never going to do august um never going to do september and then when you get hit start hitting october november you've got call of duty and battlefield which are you know huge titles you've got forza in november which is a huge title so yeah it's a bit self cannibalization if you overlap them i think it's it's one of those things i don't think we've heard the last of the bad news cycles on this i think we might have another one before launch right, so but i do wonder if it will be because the the, the content so it's a blog post this week, and they were talking about what they got out of the first flight. So if you remember, flight was the, their word for beta. And what they got out of it was they were surprised at how many people couldn't connect into games. They were surprised that you know, certain things happened. There was a lot of things that they hadn't seen in their internal playtest that other people doing. But that's they were highlighting that was the whole point of they do create a sandbox and then they let the community you know go nuts on it. And the grappling hook you know, is such a... You know, a flexibility change. You know, you can you know grapple almost anywhere. Do a lot. You know, grapple a, a hammer, grapple a person. You know, there's 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 lots of things you can do with that with that tool. But I do wonder if it will turn into a we are only launching with X number of maps. You know, rather than because in my head I I like to think, or or even X number of modes because you expect the four v four. You expect to capture the flags. You expect like an oddball kind of king of the hill type. You expect the big team battle. And I do wonder if they'll say, season one, we're going to focus on these as multiplayer. It just feels like that there's another... I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's something else that's going to drop around. But you're, we're not out of the woods yet. We've got multiplayer, but it's not the full beans yet. Yeah, uh, yeah you've got these maps. And it's like four We've got the campaign, but you're going to have to wait to season three to get the final. And I even think, from memory, <laughs> I can't remember if it was four or five, it might have been five launch with a really limited number of new maps at the time. And there was lots of promise of, well, we're going to drop lots of content. And, and it never me, happened. Yeah. It, no, it, no they, brought, they brought in old maps and they were badly badly done as well. They are no. really poor, weren't they? The frame rate and the... Yeah, just the implementation was poor. And then even when they redeemed, you know, redid them, they were still they're still weak maps and none of them ever got used in competitive because they were never good enough for the competitive halo um so yeah it's interesting um uh, yeah i i I, I don't think i think there's an interesting argument to say there's nothing wrong with having uh say a campaign that you release in seasons that is just it expands as time goes on there's nothing wrong with that but if they have to do it because they just couldn't manage to complete the Mm. game rather than rather than a design decision to do that that's that's there's a very different thing and I think the whole ambition round, you know, it's free to launch for everybody. It's a Game Pass game. It's cross-platform. You know, there's there's lots in there that is a they've they've got is like their fundamental base that is like you're you're actually re- you're 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 I ain't overreaching. You know, there's some things in there that are like mm, we talked about the other night. I I, I said my, my my fundamental overreach for them is it, yeah. it's definitely a worry. But my fundamental problem in their overreach is. The fact they tried to build their own engine to do this. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I just, I think that's what's called. Cool. I think that is the root of nearly all of the issues they're facing now. I'm sure it unlocks some potential for them, but they just haven't managed to do that and release a game in, in the correct, you know, the, in a way that's been smooth and obviously has caused massive technical issues along the way as well. Yeah. So that's and and again the the campaign versus the multiplayer. Multiplayer in Halo has always been yes, there's big maps, but it's still quite tight controlled. And certainly smaller maps are 
and this engine they're trying to build has got weather and day night cycles and all sorts going on that the mul- the multiplayer is like do you, you know do you really need that probably not but to be fair the flight we did was was pretty good so yeah it was it was solid enough and like we yet to see what that will mean like say cross cross play and all those kind of and things could and lead to a comfortableness yeah and there's future flights to come which will bring in proper multiplayer which we've not really we've not sampled so Indeedy. Right. We'll look forward to that. Um, um, but that is the news for today. Thank you very much for getting this far. Um, uh, I, I, I guess all that's left to say really is digitaloutbox.com is our website. Head there if you want to see more about us and what we're doing. Email info at digitaloutbox.com and Twitter is digitaloutbox. I am on Twitter if you want to reach out. Cheesy UK. Uh, Ian, where do we find you? I'm on Twitter, Sweeper, but if you head to iandick.com, you will find out nothing about me. Thanks for listening. Oh it says in our show notes so thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you next time bye bye do that's probably been in every show note it probably has. Listening. Thank you. Grazie. <laughs>